That's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. We've been talking about gifts, gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings a lot of gifts. And those gifts, we've been learning, are not to lift us up or not to, to make any individuals look like super people, you know. They're, it's not to make celebrities out of folks in church. And unfortunately, that tends to be what our Western society does. Somebody's either a gifted speaker or they're gifted in prayer or they're gifted in prophetic gifts or gifted with whatever, singers or whatever. And all of a sudden, it seems like, you know, we love to kind of act the same way that the rest of society does. We start putting these people up on pedestals and whatnot. And so, you know, they were, they were never supposed to be superstars within the church. And uh, these gifts, as we've been learning, are to edify the whole body. So that all of us, if you are working in a gift of the Spirit, it's not to make you look special. It's to actually help folks around you be built up in their faith, to encourage them, to strengthen them, to empower them, to motivate them. So that's what I'm excited about. Because if God has had us camped on the gifts of the Spirit for the last however many weeks, five weeks, we're going to wrap up this week uh, with, with gifts of the Spirit. It's because he intends for the gifts of the Spirit to be operating in full force right here in our fellowship, which is exciting because that means that we're going to get built up. We're going to strengthen. We're going to grow. We've been saying it for a while. We're trying to grow a church around here. And by growth, I don't, I'm not talking about numerics. You know, hey, if, if the Lord has us, at, uh, matter of fact, this past week, I think I, I logged, you know, someone filled out a membership card, an official membership card, and I think, I think this past week I logged the 74th member for Gathering Church. So praise God. Amen. Now, if God keeps us at officially 74 members, but those 74 members are growing and becoming who they are supposed to be in Christ Jesus, then that is success. If, if we happen to have 740 but nobody's growing up in Christ. Nobody's maturing in Christ. It's just that we got 740 people showing up. Well, all we're doing is having a pep rally. That's it. And that's really not amounting to much. Success in the spirit, success in the kingdom is how much are we as the body growing together. And that's what we want to do. So that's what I'm excited about, the gifts of the spirit being presented right here in our midst. And we're going to grow with them. We're going to uh, learn to operate with them. We're going to learn all the different parts. You remember we've been talking about we're all part of the body of Christ and we're different body parts. You know, uh, you know Paul said how weird it would be if your body only had one part, you know, but we have lots of different parts. So the eye doesn't look at the toe and say, you're weird. What is wrong with you? You know, the toe can't look at the eye and say, you're bizarre. You know, I don't want to have nothing to do with it. No, we're all different. We all have different functions. We serve different things. We're all different people. We have different personalities. The Holy Spirit is going to manifest in us in various ways. The way that you use some of the gifts that he has placed in you, you know, if I operate in those same gifts, I'm going to operate in a totally different way. Why? Because I'm a totally different person. But he is in us. He's working in us and through us as us. In other words, he fills you so full of Jesus that you get to be, you know, Becky Jones gets to be a Becky Jones flavor of Jesus, right? Michael Noblet gets to be a Michael Noblet flavor of Jesus. In other words, it's still Jesus. It's just coming out in a different way because everybody needs a different way to be able to communicate and receive. You know, Jesus said that he was going to make us fishers of men. Those of you who fish know you don't use the same kind of worm to catch every type of fish, Right? Different fish need different worms, different kind of bait. That's why he has so many versions of himself in us, because this world is full of a lot of different kind of fish. Amen. All right, hey, let's get into things. Where's my clicker? Here's my clicker. I thought I had everything put together. So today we're going to talk about what um, you know uh, Bible scholars will call the five-fold ministry. It's an odd way of saying something, the five-fold ministry. It's because... There's only one ministry, and that's the ministry of God, the ministry of the kingdom, the ministry of Christ, one spirit, all that stuff. But here are five different ways that it can unfold, five particular giftings that it can unfold, okay? You guys ready? Now, guess what? We are, we're, we're not going to read in 1 Corinthians because we camped out there for quite a while, but we did, we did get a good look at what Paul preached in 1 Corinthians, 
And then we saw in Romans, he preached almost the same message to the Roman church, right? That he did to the church at Corinth. So now he's preaching to the church in Ephesus. So let, look at what he says. Let me tell you, this, he, he's given us a little inside secrets. When preachers travel around and preach, they preach the same sermon, right? It's a trade secret, right? They, we all preach the same sermon. You know, if I get called, if I get to go preach in Hot Springs to my friend Justy Smith at his church, or in Garland to my home church, or wherever, or, or, or in uh, Winsboro to my friend Pastor Kevin Bates, his church, guess what? I'm probably going to be preaching something that I've already preached unless God gives me something brand new. So Paul does the same thing. Well, first of all, let's do a quick review before we get into it. We talked about manifestation gifts. Y'all remember this? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, miracle, gifts of healing, prophecy, diverse tongues, interpretation of tongues. Last week, we talked about even more gifts, gift of helps, gifts of administration or leadership, gift of encouragement. Man, we got some encouragers around here. Uh, gifts of giving. There are people right here in this fellowship that is, you've got an anointing to give in absolutely incredible ways. Uh, gifts of mercy. Thank God for those who have the gift of mercy, those who know how to forgive when the rest of us can't conjure up the forgiveness and somebody takes the lead on it and says, nah, we need to forgive this knucklehead. That's all right. God's going to, God's washing them clean and we need to forgive them too. And then the rest of us line up and say, yeah, you're right. Let's do it. All right. So here we go. We're going to learn about some more gifts today. The fivefold ministry. Ephesians chapter four, starting with verse one. This sounds really familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> For there is one body and one spirit. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Paul's preaching the same message. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. We just talked about that a second ago. But Paul's getting across to the church at Ephesus, hey, you're part of the body, you're a lot of different people, but there's only one body, there's one Lord that works in all of us, one spirit that works in all of us. However, he has given each one of us a special gift. Sounds really familiar, right? Paul, has, Paul preached a lot about the gifts of the spirit and the interacting of the Holy Spirit because he depended on the Holy Spirit to teach him. All the other apostles had the benefit of being taught by Christ himself. Paul came along after the resurrection. He had the vision and encounter with Christ, and then he got to know the Holy Spirit really, really well. So he wound, he wound up talking about it quite a bit. Verse 7, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended, when Christ ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. So when Christ ascended, his intention, he, you remember he told him right before he ascended, he said, hey, I want you to go tarry in the upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out and you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is given and you shall be witnesses uh, in, in Jerusalem, Judea, and all parts of the world. Okay, so that's what he's saying. Hey, I'm about to empower you with some gifts. That's what it's referring to. Now we're gonna hop to verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So he's got another list. We've already looked at two other lists of gifts of the Spirit that Paul brought. But now he's, he's, he's given another list. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and teachers. Woo, all these sound like really important people, right? And the reason why their responsibility is to go start ministries so that they can start advertising for themselves and building themselves up and preaching big conferences and writing a lot of books and CDs and selling and marketing a lot of swag, right? Right? <laughs> the book of second hesitation, according to, uh, according to Isaac. Right? Now, now, don't get me wrong. Look, I've... Nothing wrong with us getting together and having conferences. And I realize, look, we all got our favorite preachers and ministers and singers and all that. And look, I, it's fine. Nothing wrong. That God has blessed a lot of people to minister to the body. But we all, you know, just pardon me with my sarcasm sometimes. I think sometimes we get a little carried away in elevating people. And we forget the one spirit, the one God who's driving the whole thing. And so, so if anyone is going to operate in any of these offices or any of these giftings, 
It is for this responsibility. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Here we go again. If there's going to be a gift of the Spirit in operation, it is exclusively to build up the church, to strengthen the body, to edify everyone, to make sure we're all growing up and that we're all doing good and we're all encouraged and none of us are giving up. So isn't that awesome that God would give us that, that kind of gift? Verse 13, this will continue. Now, I want to make a point. There are those who will say, oh, there's no longer uh, apostles and prophets. That was all during biblical times. There's no longer. Well, here Paul says this is going to continue. These gifts are going to continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So out of curiosity, is there anyone here, just be as completely honest as you can be, is there anyone here who feels that you have reached maturity spiritually, that you are measuring up to the fullness of Christ, the full standard of Christ? All right, well, then I guess it means we still need these giftings, right? That means that we still need these giftings. So all five of these giftings are very much present in, in the uh, church today. We're going to hop to verse 16. Now notice what he's, he's still talking about, the unity of the body and us being collectively together and, and all this stuff, right? He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Think about it. He is fitting, gathering church together perfectly. How in the world can that happen? Because we're not perfect. We are perfectly imperfect (laughs) or imperfectly perfect, however you want to say it. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. I don't need you to be like me because if you're like me, I can't grow. I need you to be like you. And I need you to operate in God the way that you know how to operate in the, in the path he's got you growing. Why? Because it's going to help me. And if I, try to, if I try to mellow out and be like some of you, it's not going to help you, <laughs> you know? So we all got to be the way that we're supposed to be. Uh, it helps each other, uh, all the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Ultimately, that's the end game right there for us. We got to be healthy and growing. Why? Because the more we grow up into Christ, the more we grow into God, God is love. We can't help but not choose to love, but we become love. You ever met someone who's so full of love, that's all they do is they they just run around loving on people. It's, It's not even second nature, it's first nature for them. That's somebody who's like grown up into Christ, grown up into God. So let's talk about these five gifts. Now, as we talk about them, understand this. I, the, way, the way we're going to talk about them today is I'm, I don't want to talk about them as titles, per se, because I think sometimes we get really caught up in labeling people. You know, this is a pastor. This person is a prophet. This person, you know, the fact that I serve my title at Gathering Church as senior pastor is really just for the benefit of communication. So that someone says, okay, who's, who's kind of primary shepherd around here? Oh, Dave, okay, senior pastor, fine. But in reality, the way God looks at it is I serve in, with a pastoral gifting that he gave me. And he actually had me doing that long before I became pastor of Gathering Church. I was here in the neighborhood for four and a half years prior to stepping into this role And I was pastoring people from my front porch, not because I was something awesome, but because he told me to do it and I wanted to obey him, you know? And there were other people who were taking care of that were shepherds as well. So so when you'll notice as how I label this, and we're going to take a quick overview over all five of these, and hopefully it's enough just to kind of entice you a little bit so that you start diving in. Hopefully that's what all of this has been, is just enough information to entice you to dive in and seek the Holy Spirit as to what giftings you may operate in. So rather than look at these as titles that someone or a label that someone would wear, let's look at it as a gifting, okay? So let's look at the first gifting, okay? We've got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So let's look at an apostolic gifting. 
what is an apostolic gifting? Okay, uh, just to make this concise, I, I'm, I'm going to read straight from my notes today. So if you'll bear with me on that. The mission for those with the gift of apostleship. Okay, keep in mind, these are all gifts. I believe, I believe from my own experience and from my own studies that, that the Holy Spirit, there's only one spirit in us and it can manifest in many different ways. And there are times that, that he may use a gift in your life and it may be for a season or it may be for an event or it may be over years or it may, be become, it may become part of who you are in the kingdom. But all of these gifts, he has the ability to access in you if the need arises, right? So in other words, every single one of us, I believe, has the ability, should the Lord need you to, to step in to an apostolic anointing or gifting for the sake of getting something done, okay? Now, this is what uh, the, the work of the apostle is about today. Now, we, we, have, we no longer have apostles in the sense of we had the original apostles in the New Testament, and their job was to establish the New Testament church. They were given the authority to write truth, write the word of God, to write on behalf of God, and those writings eventually became what, what is now our canon, and what we would refer to as the New Testament. Well, we don't need any more apostles showing up today writing new stuff to add to the New Testament, right? Uh, we're not going to have any more Joseph Smiths coming up and having visions and all that stuff and adding stuff, okay? But, but, but the apostolic anointing or gifting is still very present in the church. The mission for those with the gift of apostleship today is to plant new ministries and churches go into places where the gospel is not preached, reach across cultures to establish churches in challenging environments, raise up and develop leaders, call out and lead pastors and shepherds, and much more. They often have many different gifts that allow them to fulfill their ministry. These are leaders, uh, these are leaders of leaders and ministers of ministers. They are influencers. They are typically entrepreneurial, and are able to take risk and perform difficult tasks. Missionaries, church planters, certain Christian scholars, and institutional leaders, and those leading multiple churches or ministries or churches often have the gift of apostleship. So the gift of apostleship is very much alive and well, not only in the church at large, but right here in our fellowship and gathering church. Uh, I'll give you an example, a, a modern-day example of an anointing of apostleship. Uh, Rebecca Romo's dad was a church planter. He would go around and plant churches up in Oklahoma, correct? Uh, my lifelong pastor, Glenn Davis, which many of you met when he came to speak, his dad, John Davis, was doing the same thing years ago in Louisiana. He would go plant a church, get it thriving two to three years, and about the time it became consistent and they had a little bit of a, uh, of a congregation uh, uh, attending faithfully, he would hand it over to a pastor. He'd go on to the next town, plant a church, start it over. Year, you know, two to three years, every two to three years, he was planting a church. Well, what was he doing? He was acting as someone coming in to establish, okay? The Lord may anoint you to establish a particular ministry within your own life or maybe establish some kind of a ministry on your job to where you establish it, you get it going, you know, uh, uh, right here in our midst, uh, the Lord anointed Howard and Bob to plant this church before they even started breaking ground on any homes. The Lord started letting them know what they needed to do. They, they served and, and still continue to with an apostolic anointing to help establish, Okay. To, to help lay foundation. Uh, at the time, Paul Gibbs came alongside of them, helped to establish some things. Not only that, he was the first one to reach out to me and said, you're already pastoring from your front porch. Pray about coming and pastoring us. What was that? That was a work of someone with an apostolic anointing saying, hey, I need one of these over here. Hey, can you come help here? Okay, that's still very active. You may serve in an apostolic anointing. The Holy Spirit may bring that up if you wind up establishing, perhaps you, you, the Lord moves on you and say, hey, I gotta establish a Bible study right here in my house. <laughs> and you start establishing it and you get it going or, or some kind of a fellowship group. Uh, the Jordans have an apostolic anointing on them. 
uh, when he, they left the military, they went over to North Africa and helped establish uh, everything from ministry to infrastructure to all kind of other things in some of the countries they were working in. Not only that, uh, about the time that the Lord knew what was going to take place with Carrie Kimball and that Bob would be caught away dealing with uh, Carrie's recovery and they were fighting for her life, uh, that was about the time that the Lord really activated the Jordans to come walk alongside me and help establish church government. You know, Kate and I, I said this the other week, the first six weeks we worked together, we were, we were combing through you know, our church bylaws, our church constitution, our statement of faith, how we're going to do business for the sake of the IRS, all that good stuff. And well, what was it doing? All the, what we call sausage making, right? Everyone loves eating sausage. You just don't want to know how it's made, right? So <laughs> in the back, well, the same thing with churches, you know, woo, we all love coming in here and worshiping and saying hallelujah, but there, there is a business side to it, right? So we, we were in the back you know, hashing all that stuff out. And the Lord brought, has brought them in to help establish. JJ did the same thing with the praise team. Showed up and said, hey, I need a praise team. There was a few weeks, it was just him and his electric guitar. And Howard said, please let there be a praise team. Please, somebody. So, <laughs> I didn't, JJ, I didn't say it. I thought you did a good job. Howard was the one that was complaining. No. So, <laughs> now notice, apostles... It, it's, it's a wonderful thing that God would, would first bring in someone with apostolic giftings. If you notice here, 1 first, first Corinthians 12, 28 says, here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, apostles. Second, are prophets. Third, are teachers. Why do you need apostles first? Because you need someone to come in and lay a solid foundation. You need someone to come in and help organize things. You need someone to come in and help oversee some things. Uh, because the rest of us can kind of go crazy on some things. So you need somebody that at least is grounded, right? And, and apostles tend to do that. So be asking God, hey, is this, do, do you have me operating or do you plan to operate me in an apostolic anointing? Okay, next, let's talk about the prophetic gifts. The prophetic gifts. Now this is a good, it, it allows one, the ability to receive a divinely inspired message and deliver it to others in the church. The prophetic gifts are very alive at gathering church. I'll explain it. Now, for some folks, it kind of gets spooky. That's another one of those boo moments that you know, we talked about. Well, it's, it's, uh, we'll, we'll get through it, okay? I promise you. The Greek word for, uh, hang on. The Greek word for the gift of prophecy is prophetia, which is the ability to receive a divinely inspired message and deliver it to others in the church. Now, these messages can take the form of exhortation, or encouragement, right? It can take the form of correction because the prophet, if you go back and read the Old Testament, the prophets weren't always patting Israel on the back. Oftentimes they were saying, hey, you guys are over there. God's over here. Y'all need to get over here. Drop what you're doing. Get over here now. You know what Israel said? Israel typically said no, and then they killed the prophet. <laughs> Isaac's right. They said, nope, and by the way, give me your head, right? It can be, a, it can be the message can be an exhortation, correction, disclosure of secret sins. Ooh, I've seen that happen. Prediction, man, everybody got real quiet on that. <laughs> Prediction of uh, future, I gotta tell this story. Can I, I, I gotta tell this story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm friends with uh, the Bates family in, in uh, Louisiana, and uh, the, there was a pastor. He's, he's, I never knew him. My pastor was really good friends with him and actually preached for him when he was a young evangelist, but it, but it was Elder George Bates, and one day you meet, may meet his son, George Bates, who's kind of a mentor of mine, but George Bates Sr., uh, also, he was a pastor, but he also worked part-time for the FBI because he had a photographic memory. So the FBI, you know, basically kind of commissioned him. And he had his own little siren he could pop on his car and his own badge he could flip out or whatever. And so what they would do is give him a list of license plates from stolen cars. And so occasionally he would track these guys down. And, you know, my, so my pastor had been in the car with him when he was preaching revival. And with George Bates Sr. would, hey, that car's stolen. I recognize that license plate. And he'd, he'd go arrest the guy or whatever. Well, this time they, they actually had... 
they had George Bates Sr. doing surveillance on a gentleman who was involved in some money laundering in town. And so my pastor was preaching a revival for him years ago, and he said, well, hey, tell you what, we're going to take, take a night off. You know, we've been going strong for two weeks, so let's take a night off. And hey, I got invited to go preach at this church, and I want to go there because the guy that I'm having to do surveillance on actually attends there. So I can kill two birds with one stone, preach the word of God, keep an eye. Well, what was, what was bothered? Now, George Bates was one of, George Bates Sr. was one of these old fire brimstone preachers, right? <laughs> and so he had, the Lord had revealed to him that the, when the guy was going, showing up at the local hotel, it wasn't just for the sake of money laundering. He was also taking prostitutes in there. And the guy was a deacon at this church and was married and had a family and all this. So George Bates, that was traveling the preacher more than the money laundering, right? So he got up and in the middle, yeah, because I've seen guys work in the prophetic where they'll say, someone here is involved in X, Y, and Z, and you, the Lord's saying, you need to get right right now. And, and the person will repent or whatever. The person will get right. So George Bates Sr. is up preaching, and he says, he stops in the middle of the sermon, right? He's all fired. He said, the Lord has revealed to me that there's a man in here, and you've been cheating on your wife. And if you don't come down front right now and get right with God, you may die tonight and wind up in hell. Said about 12 men jumped up and ran down to the front of that church. <laughs> so, I don't know if it was revival or what. But something broke loose. So, uh, that's right. The Lord works in mysterious ways. All right. Well, hallelujah anyhow. We're going to keep on going here. So these messages can come possibly as uh, uh, could, could uh, disclose secret sins. Prediction of future events, they can comfort. These messages can inspire uh, or other revelations given to equip and edify the body of Christ. In other words, anytime anyone operates in a prophetic gift, uh, whether it's a word of knowledge, word of wisdom or whatever, uh, it is always never to uplift the person, but it's to always uplift whoever they are, the message is for, whether it's an individual or a whole congregation, okay? Uh, now... Now, they do not constitute the authoritative word of God, but are the human interpretation of the revelation that was received. They were spoken in human words through a human mind, which is why they must be tested against Scripture. And we're going to get to that here in just one moment. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of prophecy to some believers to make God's heart known, to edify the church. Isn't that a beautiful thing? This gift is for the benefit of both believers and unbelievers and is a sign that God is truly among his church. Those with this gift are sensitive both to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the needs of the church body. They should be humble and continually study the scriptures in order to test these revelations before speaking them. When they do speak, they should allow and even expect others to weigh what is said against the scriptures and interpret the message accordingly. In this way, the church may be continually built up together in unity, okay? Now, when someone, when someone comes and speaks a word, now this is, this is the, the danger that happens, not because of what the Holy Spirit's doing, but this is the danger of what happens with us and our humanity. We have a tendency, I've seen it, folks are gifted in, with some of the prophetic gifts, and folks will start lifting them up, and before you know it, churches will act like they've got their own psychic hotline, Right? And the reality is, and, and matter of fact, I've got a very dear friend of mine. His name is um, uh, uh, his name is Larry Saylor. He's a preacher out of Alabama. Works in the prophetic. I mean, he is powerful, powerful, powerful. And his it will show up and speak a word, and will be spot on. And he's he calls me. He's like, my brother from another mother. What are you doing? And I mean, he is just intense. He'll call at eleven o'clock at night, and he's intense, right? Because let me, I'll fill you in. And if you're prophetic in here, I apologize. This is not from the Word of God. This is from Dave. Okay, let me tell you about prophets. They're a little peculiar. <laughs> now, that is a biblical, King James biblical way of saying they're kind of weird, right? <laughs> but look, go back and read the prophets. But if you're hanging out in the presence of God and God's revealing secret things to you and, and mysteries of the Spirit, you're going to kind of be like off yourself, right? I mean, it's just, so he'll call me at 11 o'clock at night. David, my brother from another mother. I mean, he's just, he's intense. I got a word for you, and it will be spot on. And of course, I'm trying to wake up. Uh, he's been he's been begging to come preach here, and I'm just give time. I, I don't know if y'all are ready for him yet. 
I don't know if y'all are ready. I'll be honest with you. He's powerful. I don't know if y'all are ready. But, um, but I feel bad because I've seen him go preach at churches and people that who hadn't showed up to church will show up. They hadn't showed up to church in two years. They'll show up because, oh, they, I want a word. I want a word from God. Maybe he can give me a word from God. Let me tell you this. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have access to get a word from God. You don't need a man or a woman. Thank God for the prophetic gifts. But if a man or a woman comes to speak a word over you, it needs to only confirm what the Holy Spirit's already been talking to you about. And if it doesn't, if they speak a word over you and you're like, I'm not really sure what that's about, well, then file it, okay? Because of this scripture here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Test it against the word. Hold on to what is good. I've had a few folks speak things over me that I'm like, I'm not sure how it applies in my life, so I'll just file it. Holy Spirit, remind me if all of a sudden it comes up. Three years later, something comes up, and I'll remember, that's what, that's what you, were ta- you, you spoke through this word, okay? The prophetic gifts are working in this church, okay? There are several of you who work in the prophetic gifts, uh, one of which, she's not in here right now, she's with her kids, uh, Becca Lamprecht. Uh, I've seen her work uh, with, with a prophetic anointing. First time I ever met her. She didn't know me. I didn't know her. Somebody had sent her to my house. She had come here to be uh, the children's pastor. Uh, I, nobody even knew that anyone was talking to me about stepping in as pastor. I was being really quiet about it, praying, because I, I didn't want any outside influence. I only wanted to hear from God. And, and I thought I was hearing from God. I just wanted to make sure. She, all she knew is someone sent her to my house to talk to me because I had inroads into the elementary school uh, with some of my relationships with uh, the, the administration. So they said, hey, go talk to Dave, the Stave guy, and he may let you know who you need to contact so that maybe you can get in and start maybe connecting with the teachers and the kids and all that for children's ministry purposes. So we had about a 15-minute conversation. I gave her, you know, hey, yeah, email this person, talk to this person. And I asked her, I said, can I pray with you before you leave? Oh, absolutely. So I just prayed for her and her future endeavors. And when I got done praying, her eyes were really big. And I thought, man, what have done it. I was holding her hands, right? I said, what I, and she said it. She like whispered it. No one else was around. And she got that British accent, right? She goes, it's you. It's you. And I let go. I was like, I don't know what's me. I don't know what you're talking about. She said, no, it's you. You're the pastor. We've been praying for a pastor and it's you. You've been sitting here the whole time. It's you. And, and she goes, when you were praying, I saw you ringing. You were down there. We were all at the lake club and you were ringing a green church bell. And she was, why was the church bell green? I can't figure that out. But it, you were ringing this green church bell. And, and not, the Lord wouldn't let anyone else ring it but you because you're supposed to be the pastor. And when you ring it, people started coming in to worship. Why is it green? And I said, I, I know why it's green. And she said, why? I said, because it's a Viridian church bell. Viridian means it's a shade of green. So yeah, God's establishing a church. She goes, well, that's you. So, so that was my first encounter with Becca. Now, since then, we have, there was uh, a couple of years ago, we were all out eating. I had a chance to pray over our uh, server and and. The, the Lord had just moved on me, prayed over our server. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, is there anything special that you would like to say to this young lady? And the Lord said, yeah, but I've already told Becca. So I looked at Becca and as soon as, of course, I heard it, she didn't hear, but I looked at her and she said, yeah, God's already given it to me. I said, all right. Well, so she started talking to this woman and saying, hey, and, and what she was saying to the lady, I thought that, I have no clue what she's even talking about. This lady's gonna think we're crazy. But as she was talking, the woman began to weep and it made complete sense to her. And it was something that only this woman would know. So this lady knew that the Lord was dealing with her, that the Lord was answering her prayer. And it built the lady up. It was, no way was all of a sudden, you know, Becca didn't leave there, the latest psychic hotline person or anything. She, she left rejoicing, okay? Now, she's not the only one. There are others that operate in the prophetic gifts. Uh, Mary Edwards. She, you have a prophetic gifting all over you. First time she sat at my table, she sat there and was on all. She said, I journaled about this night with everybody sitting around, the colors of the food, everybody, you know, I, I journaled about it. And the Lord was confirming a prophetic word that he had spoken to her to affirm, confirm some things, okay? Uh, Rebecca Romo operates in the prophetic gifts. She shows up just the other week. I was at our church offices. We have church offices, by the way. It's like two trailers behind 7-Eleven. 
literally, <laughs> two or three trailers. We got half of a we got half of a trailer. We got some offices. She shows up. I had been praying, needing uh, confirmation from the Lord for just dealing with a, a pastoral issue. The Lord sends her back there, and yeah, she she gives me the confirmation and the word that I was needing to hear, uh, just out of the blue. You know, she didn't leave. You know, with an 800 number that we can call for psychic. You know. <laughs> Uh, consultation. She left rejoicing in the Lord and praising God, and it lifted me up. That's how the prophetic works. So I, I want to say this in the name of Jesus: release the prophetic gifts. Those of you who operate in that gifting, feel free to do so for the sake of edifying the body of Christ. Okay, let's move along. We'll make it quick. Anyone else sweating, or is it just me? Just me. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure preaching to you guys. Evangelistic gifts. In the Greek, evangelist means one who brings good news. They're storytellers. They're good storytellers. Do you know anyone who's just a really good storyteller? They're probably an evangelist, right? Hal is a fantastic storyteller. You sit down and you talk to Hal again. He's like, no, I don't. By the way, I got a story. That's what he's saying. <laughs> uh, Tilly Bergen is an incredible evangelist. Tilly will tell stories, and all the stories always lead back to Jesus. And then she goes, and, and check out with the, the Greek word for evangelist, which means uh, one who brings good news. Evangelists are given the unique ability by the Holy Spirit to clearly and effectively communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. They are burdened in their hearts for the lost and will go out of their way to share the truth with them. Evangelists are able to overcome the normal fear of rejection and engage non-believers in meaningful conversations about Jesus. Their gift allows them to communicate with all types of people, and therefore they receive a greater response to the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. They continually seek out relationships with those who don't know Jesus and are open to, leading, to the leading of the Holy Spirit to approach different people. They love giving free treasure away for Jesus, and it brings them great joy knowing that the feat that brings good news is beautiful to those who believe. Okay? Now, Understand, the Lord may have you operate in multiple gifts of the, you know, these five gifts. You may fit two or three of these categories in your own personal life, okay? It doesn't mean that you're going to be on stage preaching somewhere. It doesn't mean that you're going to be ultra seen in church. This, these gifts are supposed to operate in your home, with your friends, on your job, at your schools, okay? Uh, Isaac is someone who, it doesn't matter who it is, you guys know him, man, he doesn't meet a stranger. He's going to be your friend. He has a way of being able to get inside unbelievers' heads. Like, you know, there's even, you know, atheists and heathen that he's worked around that say, man, I want to hate you, but I love you. I don't know why. I love you. I disagree with everything you say, but I love you anyway. Right? It's, it's, it's an anointing of an evangelist. He's got a powerful teaching anointing, but he also has an anointing of an evangelist. Storytellers especially those of you who know how to converse and tell stories. My dad was a fabulous evangelist, never preached behind a pulpit a day in his life, but he, he never met a stranger. He'd sit down and talk to, talk to anyone, and he'd lead them back to Jesus. The conversation would eventually wind back to Jesus, okay? Now, we're all really called, all of us need to pray for this gift because we're all really called to be evangelists or uh, storytellers. But you... Keep your head in all situations. Man, that'll preach. <laughs> Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist or do the, one, do the work of one who brings good news. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Every single one of us have a ministry. That, yes, that's right. Amen. <laughs> preach, Siri. Preach. <laughs> Pastoral giftings, pastoral giftings. Uh, I am not the only pastor in the house. Just because I'm the guy who stands up here most weeks and preaches and, and yeah, I'm on staff does not mean I am the, that we have multiple people who are shepherds in this house who are overseers, okay? The spiritual gift of a pastor or, or shepherd is one that carries, matter of fact, that's, the word pastor just means that. It just means shepherd, that's it, right? Uh, carries many different responsibilities. In the biblical context, shepherds had several different responsibilities to their sheep and ultimately to the owner of the sheep. So that's why, that's why I don't take things too personal. When some of y'all want to get ornery, 
because you're not my sheep. You're his sheep. And ultimately he's, hey, there's been times that, there's been times I've had to pray, Lord, that's your child. Do something with your child, please. Do something with your child. <laughs> they kept a lookout for predators and protected the sheep from attackers. They cared, they cared for wounded and sick sheep, nursing them back to health. By the way, as, once this, all this COVID restriction starts lifting, if you guys, you got a hospital stay, you got, a, you got something going on, please let me know. I would love to come up and pray with you. I'd love to come sit with your family in waiting rooms and pray with them, okay? I know we haven't been able to do that with COVID, but all that's starting to slowly unwind. They rescued them if they became lost or trapped. They spent an enormous amount of time with them, guiding them to places of nourishment and rest. The result was a trust and relationship that kept the sheep following the shepherd. And I praise God for the relationships that we've all been able to build, and hopefully we continue to build those. The result was that uh, the sheep were attuned to the shepherd's voice to the, to the point that even if they were temporarily mixed with another herd at the call of the shepherd, they would separate and follow him. It's not my voice. I want you to worry about following. I want you to understand and know the voice of Christ. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And there's times that we all get messed up in some weird things, but when he calls us, we can hear his voice and come back home. Pastors are called shepherds because their calling and giftings are much like those who care for sheep. They are called and gifted to care for, spiritual, for the spiritual well-being of the local body of God's people. Pastors are first and foremost servants. They are servants of God and servants of his bride, the church. They are given a mixture of abilities by, uh, by the grace that allows them to serve the needs of an entire community. The goal of the pastor is to reveal, this is the goal of the pastor. So if I have any goal, it's this. And not just me, but those of you who are called to be shepherds. The goal of the pastor is to reveal the glory of God in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit to a people who needs God's grace for life, period. The Holy Spirit gives the spiritual gift of pastor to some in the church to humbly teach them, guide them, protect them, and to lead them in the mission that God has for his church, namely the Great Commission. The pastor loves the gospel of Jesus Christ and puts it at the center of his life and ministry. Pastors do not seek fame or recognition for themselves but they are placed in a position of authority by the Holy Spirit. The role of a pastor is one of humility and service as, as he or she is reminded daily of their overwhelming need of God's grace for the task at hand. There are several of you, several of you that have a very shepherding, a papa bear, mama bear type mentality when it comes to all of your friends, your family, that you, you shepherd or you pastor the group. The Noblets very much have a shepherding or pastoral anointing on them. Their, their, their circle of, of uh, influence, not just within this community, but from all over, they, they shepherd, they check on them, they nurture them. Hey, you doing all right? Come on, let's go. You, you're going to make it through this. You're going to do, you know, they shepherded me during, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago almost, when, when, when my world collapsed, okay? That, that's, so, so I am not the only shepherd. They're not the only ones. It's all over. And, and what's cool is sometimes it's generational. Sometimes your parents or your grandparents were shepherds, and yet you've, you've inherited that particular anointing. So, amen. So y'all are all his sheep. Nice, fluffy, pretty sheep. <laughs> Let me tell you about sheep. <laughs> Tim, you know this. You've been working in ministry for years, and your dad was a pastor. And he'll say a name on it. Let me tell you about sheep. Sheep, bite. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> Woo, Man. Someday, when you're a shepherd, you get to cuddle up to some soft sheep, but they also bite. I'm just going to tell you. Look at this. This is what I believe God's doing within this church because I can't pastor this community all by myself. We all we need lots of shepherds to go out and love, love on this community and the greater community. Jeremiah chapter uh, 3, verse 15. And I will give you shepherds or pastors after my own heart who will guide you with knowledge and understanding. Not just... My, my will isn't to guide you just with knowledge, the knowledge of the word of God. That's, that's powerful. But also with understanding. Because if you can understand someone, how is it that God can love the most unlovable? Because he understands. Doesn't mean he approves, but he understands. Think about child molesters. How could you, if there's anyone I have an issue trying to love and forgive, <laughs> it would be someone who would harm children in that capacity. You know, that's one of the most perverse, gross 
evil, vile things. How can God love someone who's been involved in that? Because he understands. He doesn't approve, but he understands. He, he understands at what point that individual went off the rails. He understands at what point they started collapsing up here. And his heart breaks for that. He wants to cure that. He'll take it to the root. So the better we understand people, the better we can love people. And the better we can shepherd people. Amen. So all you shepherds, rise up. Let's start shepherding. Okay. One last one. Y'all with me? Woo. I said, rise up. Some of y'all woke up and said, hey, we're ending. That's all. That, that always makes... That always makes it when the preacher says, let's all stand. The gift of teaching, the gifted, the, those gifted in communicating the word of God in a manner others can understand and grow from. This is pivotal. Lord, give us teachers. We got teachers all throughout this house. And, and I'm, I'm asking the Lord to open up doors for, for you to be able to use your, 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 your gifts, not just here within our midst here, but also in homes, in homes, right? There, there's lots of teaching gifts going around. The spiritual gift of teaching is one that carries a heavy responsibility in the church. In fact, check out what James has to say. James chapter three, verse one. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Why? Like every believer, teachers are to be stewards of every word that comes out of their mouth. But the greater responsibility to which they are called is to be stewards of the word of God to his people. Teachers have been entrusted with the task of effectively communicating what the Bible says, what it means, and how we as the followers of Jesus Christ are to apply it to our lives here and now. The Holy Spirit gives certain people the spiritual gift of teaching so that they would help the church fulfill her ministry as a pillar and buttress of truth. Without this gift, the church would quickly fall into error and sin. Teachers are there to make sure that doesn't happen. They hate when scripture is abused and used out of context or with ill intent. They love the truth and speak the truth in love. They will never hide or withhold it. On the contrary, they desire to follow in the footsteps of Jesus who taught in the synagogues and in the temple as well as anywhere the people were gathered. They are called to demonstrate God's love while revealing his truth and the world without fear. The effect of, the effect of their ministry is, to, is upholding of God's word and the growth and maturity of his bride until the day of his return. Amen. So it's, it's, it's a powerful burden and an honor to, to have this particular gifting. Those of you who have this particular gifting, why? Because, because you're tasked and burdened with speaking truth and love which means you got to make sure that what you're teaching is correct and that you're seeing it. Uh, I am in no way some grand orator, but the Lord gives me the honor of being able to get up and teach every Sunday. Uh, there's a lot of hours that go into just me getting up bumbling through a sermon, you know, uh, because I want to make sure if I'm bumbling, it's at least correct bumbling. It's not like totally in error, right? <laughs> and, and so there's just a lot of study and everything else, and, and yet the Lord has tasked many of you with that, we've got some some teachers right here in our midst. Uh, Mark Cooper has has a uh, wave your hand, Mark. For those who don't know, <laughs> he's like, man, don't don't be calling on me right now. Mark Cooper, uh, the Lord has has given him a, a call and a desire for teaching. So what? And, I, and I'm going to put this out here. We are want, we're wanting to plant another. We've got men's Bible study rolling. Women's Bible study is going to kick back in uh, in the fall. We got Bible studies for all the young kids and teenagers. All that going on. We, we want to launch and birth another Bible study, general Bible study for the adults sometime in the middle of the week, sometime during the week, whether it's a Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. Uh, uh, Mark Cooper is ready to, man, he's, he's revved up. He's ready to preach. He's ready to teach. He's ready to impart truth. So I, what we've got, we got a little time, so I'm going to put this seed out there for someone to start praying. Should the Lord move on you and say, look, I can't teach, but... Everyone's welcome to come over to my house for an hour on one of those nights. You want to come over to my house? Let's get into the word for an hour and fellowship and then head back out. Let's do it. So, so if the Lord moves on you to open your home, that would be a huge blessing in helping us plant another home Bible study. Uh, I would love to see it that every night of the week we have Bible studies taking place all throughout the community. And that, that way folks could choose what night best suits them, what group they feel most comfortable in 
to sit down and, and explore the Bible. But wouldn't it be wonderful that every night of the week, the Word of God would be taught right here. So, Samia. Yes, my house. All right. Well, hey, Samia's opening up her house. Amen. All right. Well, then we'll, we'll get with you on, on, on that. So, thank you. If you've not met Samia yet, this is a, first of all, we call her our missionary to the Jackson. She lives over in the Jackson apartments. But she is so full of, like, she, she gave her heart to the Lord and even got baptized. And, like, the next week, her church closed down because of COVID. And so her first year of walking in the kingdom was, like, she was having to, like, self-feed. You know, go on YouTube, go online, everything else. And then the Lord moved her over to the Jackson, and she said, Lord, I need a church. And she looked out from her balcony, saw the top of this building, and just assumed it was a church. So she showed up, and sure enough, we were having church. <laughs> and so she, she got glued in, and she, like, I love it, on her volunteer card, she's like, everything, just whatever you need me to do, just do it, do it, do it, just get me to do everything. So thank you, Samia. Amen. So one last scripture. Let's, now let's all stand. Woo! Y'all feeling good on that one? This wraps up our spiritual gifts. Those of you who are operating, maybe you already know that you've got this particular anointing or gifting, or maybe you are going to discover it over the coming weeks. I'm excited because no matter what, God's going to move. Uh, God's doing something. He's up to something in our midst. But no matter what, this is what we've, we've been reading a lot of what the Apostle Paul has to say about spiritual gifts. Peter, Peter's really short on words, but it's usually profound. I love how Peter does it. He just says what he means, means what he says. This is what Peter has to say about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, which would be like gifts of help, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that all things God may be, in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power, forever and ever. Amen. Hey, let's all grow in the gifts of the Spirit, so that we can all grow in Christ. Amen. Because He is our solid rock, and He's the only foundation worth growing on. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for everyone who's here. Holy Ghost, I pray that you just, just start unleashing gifts in the lives of people, that they start operating in, with such power and such confidence that everyone around them begins to grow and flourish, and all the unbelievers start, start feeling drawn to you, that all of us that believe can mature and become who you have created us to be, and we thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together one last time. Amen.